In Viking times, a thing was a gathering, a place where leaders and warriors could meet and talk. In the 21st century, our thing is a virtual place, where history academics and enthusiasts from around the world can come together to share knowledge. We're your hosts, Miranda Schmiederer and Lucas Norton. So hold on to your helmets for this episode of that Jorvik Viking Thing podcast. Riding upon the back of the stallion Grani, and armed with the legendary sword Gram, Sigurd travelled far from home with his foster father Regin, in search of Gnitahaith, the lair of the great dragon Favnir. On their way, Regin told Sigurd, There is no need to fear this dragon that was once my brother. The tales of Fafnir greatly exaggerate his size and power. He is the worst kind of serpent you can imagine. But in truth, he is not larger than the average snake. As they drew closer to Ganitahaith, they began to find evidence of Fafnir's presence. Patches of earth where he had sprayed the deadly, vile venom that the dragons of the Old North were famed for. And there were deep, wide trails left behind wherever Fafnir had slithered about across the ground. Upon seeing the immense size of these trails, Sigurd blurted out, You are clearly mistaken, Regan, or you have lied to me. This Fafnir must be one of the largest dragons upon the face of the earth, for no mere snake could leave such an immense trail. Regan laughed and answered, Are you afraid, Sigurd? Do you lack the courage that your family is so famed for? (laughs) If you are too fearful to meet Fafnir in open combat, then use some cunning. Dig a pit and hide out of sight. When the dragon slithers on its way to the nearby water for a drink, he will pass over your pit, and you can stab him in his guts from below. Sigurd angrily replied, I am not afraid, Regan, but I do not like being deceived. This strategy you suggest may be effective, but no doubt the dragon's blood shall pour out of the wound above me into the pit where I stand. Will this put me in danger? Regan chuckled and said, You are clearly a coward, afraid of everything. You are nothing like Volsung or Sigmund. You are a craven fool who will no doubt flee at the first sign of danger. Then, at that very moment, the dragon Favnir made a great noise in the distance, causing Regan to shriek in terror, and he ran away to hide no doubt soiling himself in fear of his brother, the dragon. Sigurd, meanwhile, was unafraid, for the dragon was clearly quite far away, and he set about digging a great pit on the dragon's pathway to the water, just as Regin had suggested. While he was focused upon this task, a man with a long beard approached him and asked, What are you doing out here in this wild and dangerous place, digging a hole? Are you aware that these lands are the domain of the dragon Favnir? Sigurd answered, I intend to lurk within this pit and stab Fafnir when he slivers above. The man responded, A bold but foolish plan. Has no one told you the dragon's blood is deadly poisonous? Once you stab Favnir's heart, his blood would pour into the pit where you stand and kill you instantly. Whoever suggested this scheme clearly does not wish you to survive this quest. 
I would suggest that you dig more pits and channel the flow of the dragon's blood away from you. Poison is a most dreadful way for a warrior to die, or so your brother Sinfialti tells me. Sigurd began to do as the man suggested, digging extra pits to contain the poisonous dragon's blood. But then he noticed that the man had disappeared without a trace. Sigurd climbed into the pit with the sword Gram, and he lay lurking in the shadows, waiting for the arrival of Favnir the dragon. He lay there in silence for what seemed like an eternity, and then he heard the dragon. Its noises grew louder and closer, and he heard the sound of its immense body slithering upon the earth knocking boulders and trees out of its path. It was coming closer and closer to the water that lay beyond Sigurd's hiding place. And then he saw it. A great forked tongue tasting the air above the hole. Flickering around as if the wind carried some interesting, intriguing flavour. Fafnir paused for a moment then continued onwards, its immense head passing over Sigurd's pits, with the rest of its body sliding after it, shaking the earth around them. Sigurd waited, and waited, trying to judge when was the best moment to strike. The long body of the dragon continued to slither past, and finally, Sigurd attacked, stabbing the sword Gram upwards, which punctured the dragon's scales as if they were made of silk. The sword sank into Fafnir, all the way up to the hilts, with the tip of the blade penetrating the dragon's immense heart. Fafnir roared in desperate pain, spewing enormous jets of venom in a vain attempt to kill his unseen enemy whilst blood came flowing out of his wound in a mighty torrent, erupting outwards by the force of Favnir's enormous punctured heart. The blood flowed safely away from Sigurd, pooling into the nearby pits, ensuring that he survived this dangerous encounter, whilst Favnir thrashed his head and tail about, destroying everything around him as his mortal wound slowly drained the life from him. Fafnir knew he had failed to destroy his killer, so bellowed out. Who are you, unseen murderer? To which family do you belong? Who could be so bold that they would dare attempt to slay me? Sigurd lied at first, shouting out. My name is Clever Beast. No man knows my family, for I have no mother nor father, Fafnir answered. In what strange manner could you have been born, Dragon Slayer? You are clearly lying to me. Tell me the truth, as this is my death day. Sigurd decided to tell the truth to the dragon, revealing, I am Sigurd, son of Sigmund, and his father was Volsung, Fafnir said. The truth at last, Sigurd, son of Sigmund. I bore no ill will to the family of Volsung, so who was it that sent you on this quest to kill me? I do not doubt your courage, 
But have you not heard of the terror I inspire? Sigurd responded, No man or woman forced me into this action. My own courage made me do this, with some aid from my strong hand and sharp sword, which you felt puncture your heart. Fafnir laughed weakly and said, If you had been raised amongst your own family, then perhaps you would have slain me purely for the sake of your courage. But I know you were not raised by your own father. You were practically a prisoner of your stepfather. Sigurd was angered by this and answered, You dare mock the fact that I was raised away from my father and his family? I was no prisoner. I was raised with honour and respect, and I am a free man, free to accomplish legendary deeds like your slaying. Fafnir groaned and said, You believe that all I say to you is mockery, but heed my warning. The treasure held here in Ganitahaith is cursed by some foul spell placed upon it by the dwarf Andvari. It led to the death of my father, Hraithmar, and though I have enjoyed it for a time, the treasure has caused my death too. You clearly intend to steal my wealth. Would you truly have bothered slaying me had there been no gold hidden in my lair? Sigurd calmly responded, There is a time when each of us is destined to die, and we have no control over that. I shall savour this wealth until I arrive at my own death day chosen by the Norns. Fafnir then said, I know the truth of what has happened here. It was my own brother, Regin, who sent you to slay me. He is the true cause of my death. Well, at least I will die laughing, safe in the knowledge that the treacherous smith will soon murder you. If you wish to avoid this fate, then I advise you to mount your horse and flee. Leave the treasure, for it is cursed. It will kill you and everyone else who owns it. Sigurd answered, I did not ask for your advice, dragon. Perhaps I would leave the gold in your lair if I knew that I would never die. But I am no fool. Your treasure is mine and I shall enjoy it for the rest of my life, no matter how short that turns out to be. Whilst you, Fafnir, lie there in your lives broken pieces, may hell have you. Fafnir, perhaps the most famed dragon in all the world, then breathed his last gasp of air, spewed the last of his vile venom, and he died. Regin soon emerged from his hiding place and exclaimed, Sigurd, you've survived. You've won a great victory here over Fafnir. This brave deed shall be famous as long as this world lasts. But then he stared at the poisonous, scaled corpse of Fafnir and angrily said, My brother has been killed, though I was not innocent in this crime. To which Sigurd replied, You did very little to aid in this great deed. You hid like a coward whilst I took all the risk. True, you reforged this sword, but it is not your own creation, for you merely repaired it. And in battle, a warrior's brave heart is far more important than their weapon. Regin was enraged by this and said, Let us speak of this no more. I ask a favour of you, Sigurd. I wish for the dragon's heart to be cut and cooked over the fire, so that I might eat it. Sigurd did as Regin asked, placing the immense punctured heart on a cooking spit. 
When he felt it was nearly done, he tested it with his fingertips, which he then sucked clean in his mouth, unknowingly tasting a drop of the dragon's blood. But the blood from the dragon's heart did not harm him. Instead, it clearly possessed some sorcerous power, for Sigurd found that he could now understand the bird song of the wagtails that sat above him in the trees, as if they were people chattering in his own language. One bird said, How strange! Is that Sigurd, son of Sigmund, cooking a dragon's heart down there? I suppose Regin told him to do so. It's a shame that Regin intends to eat it rather than the bold dragon slayer. If I were Sigurd, then I'd eat it myself, for then he would become wiser than any other man. A second bird answered, It looks as if Sigurd trusts Regin, but I think it's plain to see that there is treachery in Regin's heart. Mark my words, it looks like Regan's getting ready to murder Sigurd, who's too honourable to understand betrayal. Regan probably plans to steal the dragon's gold and claim it was he who killed it. What a nasty fellow he is! The first bird replied, Yes, Regan's disloyalty is clear to everyone except for the unfortunate Sigurd. We could tweet him a warning, but I doubt a foolish human would listen to the songs of those wise wagtails. If I were Sigurd, I'd cut off Regin's head with that lovely sword. Sharper than my beak it is. The second agreed and said, It would be good judgement were Sigurd to take your advice, my feathered friend. If only men could understand us wise wagtails. Can he not see that Regin must avenge the death of his brother Fafnir, even though the slaying was caused by Regin himself? These humans are strange, fickle folk indeed. The first bird said, Yes, it is ill-advised to let the brother of your dead enemy live. Sigurd clearly is not as wise as I thought. Still, he does deserve to eat that tasty dragon's heart. He deserves the dragon's treasure, and he deserves to live and enjoy the glory he has won. Sigurd listened intensely to this conversation, and said to himself, It would be a poor fate indeed to be murdered by Regan out here in wild Ganitahave. It seems I must send Regan to join his brother Fafnir in Helheim. Sigurd drew the sword Gram, approached Regin, and chopped his head off. Sigurd then ate part of the dragon's heart, saving the rest for later, and then followed Fafnir's trail back to his lair, where he found more gold than he had ever seen in his life, along with other great treasures, like a golden suit of armour and Fafnir's terror helmets. The treasure weighed so much that several horses would struggle to bear its weights, but Sigurd of course possessed Grani, the greatest horse in the world, who could carry the whole lot as if it weighed nothing. As Sigurd began to ride away, he heard the birds one last time, as one said, Well, look at that! Sigurd was wiser than we suspected, but I wonder what he shall do next. He's eaten the dragon's heart, but should he seek out further wisdom? Perhaps he should ride to the mountain Hinderfjall. There's much that he could learn in that bleak remote place. Last time I flew above it, you would not believe what I saw there. Whilst the other replied, If I were him, I would ride to that place and seek out the Valkyrie who waits there. He has become very wise indeed, but could be wiser still should he meet Brunhild. She's the daughter of a mighty king and is famous for her beauty and wisdom. But alas, humans are unable to understand the wise advice of Wagtails. Sigurd listened carefully to this chatter, 
and decided that he would do as the Wagtail suggested, and he rode Grani a long way from Ganitahaid to Hinderfjall. As he approached this remote and imposing mountain, he saw lights burning aflame on its summit, casting terrifying, dancing shadows upon the mountain's face. And as he climbed its steep sides, the cold winds cut like a knife, howling with deafening shrillness in his ears, like a mother wailing for her slain children. As he approached the flames at the mountain's peak, he saw that a fortress lay within. So he summoned all his courage and charged forward boldly through the ferocious flames. He emerged safely on the other side and entered a great doorway that stood before him. Within that place, he found a person laid down, dressed in armor and equipped for battle. This person was alive, but he was unable to wake them. And as he removed their helmets, he realized that this was a woman. It seemed as if her armor was exceptionally small and tight for her body, digging painfully into her flesh. So with his sword, he sliced apart the links of mail, releasing her from its uncomfortable grasp. She awoke and asked, Who is this man that is powerful enough to break my mail? Who is this man that wakes me? Could it be that you are Sigurd, son of Sigmund, the slayer of Fafnir? Is that the dragon's terror helm that you wear? And is that the blade that stabbed its heart? Sigurd answered, I'm Sigurd of the Volsung family. Are you the wise daughter of a king that I've been sent here to find? How is it that you came to be imprisoned here all alone? The woman answered, I am Brynhild, daughter of Buffli, and I once served Odin as one of his Valkyries. I performed my duties well, for a time, but I was imprisoned here when I disobeyed Odin. He had promised victory to a king in a great war, but I killed that king and granted victories to his enemy, so Odin punished me. He stung me with a sleep thorn and told me I would never again have victory in battle and condemned me to one day be married. But I swore that I would marry no man except he that knew no fear. No man until today has been brave enough to climb the mountain and ride through the fires to find me here. Sigurd and Brunhild spoke for a long time, enjoying each other's company, and she revealed a great deal of secret wisdom to him. Then when it was time for him to depart, he said, Beautiful Brunhild, there is no one in this world wiser than you. I swear an oath before all the gods that I will marry you and no other woman. To which Brunhild responded, If I were free to choose from all the men in all the world, I would choose you to be my husband, fearless Sigurd. I too swear this oath that I shall marry you. Sigurd then retrieved a gift from the treasure of Favnir that he had carried to that place and passed it to Brunhild, saying, This beautiful ring was made by Anvari the dwarf, retrieved by me from a dragon's lair, and now it is gifted to lovely Brunhild. I'll meet you again soon, my love. Sigurd rode away, and both he and Brunhild were joyous and filled with love for each other. But unbeknownst to the young lovers, there were other powers at work, determined to keep them apart. Perhaps this did not fit in with the plans of a certain one-eyed god. Perhaps an evil Norn had chosen a dark fate for these humans. Or perhaps the curse of the dragon's treasure 
had doomed them both. Whatever the cause, love would turn to hate, and the tragedy of the Volsum family would soon reach its bloody conclusion. If you liked this episode and want to learn more about the Vikings, then come visit Jorvik Viking Centre, where you can enjoy the sights, sounds and smells of the Viking Age. You can book your tickets at jorvikvikingcentre.co.uk. Don't forget to rate and review that Jorvik Viking Thing podcast on your podcast app. And if you enjoyed the show, share us with a friend. It's the best way to help support your favourite history podcast. To contact us for more information or ideas for future episodes, you can email us on podcast at yorkat.co.uk. Thanks for listening to that Jorvik Viking Thing podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other major podcast platforms. That Jorvik Viking Thing podcast is a production of the Jorvik Group and York Archaeology, hosted by Miranda Schmiederer and Lucas Norton. Researched by Lucas Norton, produced by Miranda Schmiederer, Lucas Norton and Gareth Henry. Sound designed and edited by Miranda Schmiederer.